0: Whatever Lola wants, Lola
1: gets, and little man, little Lola wants you.
0: Welcome to Bottoms on Top. I'm Prakash. And I'm Andreas. And we're happy to have you. Well, Prakash, welcome back into the stew. <laughs> we're about to tear up the stew. Period. <laughs> Act up. You could get snatched up. <laughs> <laughs> um, spring break is over. Spring break is over. dead. Tears. How was your break, Prakash? I know you've been on a little trip.
2: Yeah, I went to Mexico City, and I miss it like fucking crazy. It was so good to me. And the gays there were like, they didn't come to play. Like, the first night we were there, we go to this bar called Kinky Bar. Our good friend and a good friend of the podcast, Matt Wilson, told me like, this is like an internationally known gay bar. And so we were like, okay, what we gotta a go. So we like literally land at 9pm, rally buy like a Jose Cuervo at like a local supermarket. It was like a liter of Jose Cuervo for like $3. And so Beyonce we were, said sipping Cuervo. Sip no and, Cuervo. <laughs> <laughs> and we show up at Kinky Bar and we we just like kept meeting like all of these very wealthy Mexican men who like were kind of conning us and like trying to get us to buy them tequila shots. And I was like, okay, so this is the mood for the entirety of the break. But it was like also like kind of crazy because like I was for the first time in a bunch of like queer spaces that were just like all POC, period. And I was I was I was so here for it. Like we they showed up, they were lit and like we were just trying to take a part in their space.
0: That's so beautiful. Period. I feel like sometimes it's hard to find a space when you're traveling yeah. that's both fun and also welcoming. Yeah. So that's really nice to know that an
2: internationally known queer bar right. was everything that you wanted to do. Yeah. Be. So and it honestly, like there was like one white person in the whole thing and we were just like, maybe this is what we came for. And was it Teddy? It was Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
0: My spring break was a little less sunny and a little Mm. less adventurous, but I traveled all the way to the other side of the world through (laughs) watchseries.io,
1: and
0: I watched Drag Race Thailand, which, let me say, these Thai queens really, really do turn it out.
2: Wait, so I have never seen it. Tell me about what they're bringing. So
0: essentially, Drag Race Thailand is RuPaul's Drag Race, basically like brand, music, design, Basically everything leased out to a Thai production company and they're filming the Thai version of RuPaul's Drag Race. Period. It is kinda awesome. I find it to be more candid than RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Very like reminiscent of earlier seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race where Mm -hmm. you get more of this less of a storyline and more of just kind of like the reality TV, the queens talking and having fun. The hosts are more approachable than RuPaul. Um, that may just be a virtue of, like, Thai culture itself, or maybe... the f- Right. You know, I was about to know. say,
2: because, like, Thai culture is, like, one of those other... One of the cultures in, like, the world that strikes me is, like, the having the longest history of, like, having queerness and, like, gender fluidity is, like, a big part of the cultural conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, very here for them being, like, the first other drag race yeah it's
0: kind of awesome there's also drag race uk coming out yeah but drag race thailand is wonderful i started following the very creative very extra and funny queens on instagram (laughs) y'all should open up your minds and i don't know watch something a
2: little different a little different but like still the same right (laughs) (laughs) okay so as we are recording we are about a week out from the release date of Queer Eye season three, where we get to touch base with Anthony Porowski and all of his more homosexual pals.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Queer Eye season three is here, and I haven't watched it yet, but I actually know I watched one episode of my roommate, and it's
2: it's Queer Eye. It's Queer Eye. I feel like when Queer Eye first came out, I had like a lot of excitement, and I was like very here for it. The longer it's been out, the more it time it's had to like steep there is tea now i have started to see her flaws in very sharp relief so i saw this tweet earlier today and i think it kind of sums up a lot of how i want to say that i originally felt about queer eye so it goes my gay brain yay queer eye is back my queer brain Does Queer Eye make queerness palatable to people who are against LGBTQ plus existence by showing through the Fab Five that queer people are expendable and exploitable as commodifiable skilled labor? My gay brain. Bobby's my fave. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, period. 140
0: characters have never felt so sweet.
2: No, truly. And I'm just like, I'm here for like queer visibility on TV, but it's just like, the way Queer Eye does it to me just feels like, I'm serving five gay men on a platter and, like, eat up their personalities. And, like, you too can love a gay man because these people are so inoffensive and do things for people who are not also queer, right? Like And, like, that part of it just feels, like, awkward to me. I don't know. Like, yeah.
0: And there's also this arc in the show where they go to places where people generally wouldn't interact with queer people. Mm-hmm. But I know the tweet is saying, like, expendable commodities as yeah. like kind of a joke. Yeah. but. There actually is this feeling that just because they're just
2: doing a service for you, they're there to help you. So, and they're like the fairy
0: godmothers.
2: Exactly. There's so many questions that the show could have like gone deeper into. Like, there's so many moments where, like, in this one, they're in like what Kansas City. These are cities that like have a history of pushing their queer culture very, very underground. And I'm like, why aren't we able to see more of that? Like, why am I not like seeing what Kansas City means to, like, queer culture and, like, I I guess, like, in my optimal world, like, a queer eye would probably look more like what is my relationship to this city and, like, what is this relationship, the, the relationship between this city and queerness and, like, how can I incorporate that into a conversation with, like, someone I am interacting with and, like, how do I make it more of a three-dimensional conversation? I
0: think that the problem with the representation as another queer person watching it is that these queer characters experience absolutely no growth and no personal reflection on what's happening and when they do it's always prompted by the person they're trying to help
2: right never right.
0: really because of their own like you know like
2: 10 work. 10 like needed to meet a trans person to even like realize that trans people are people like that that moment in the series was like very to me like Like the Tan's quote, like, I've never met a trans person. It's like, mmm It's like a weird thing for someone to say because like the way like transness is is it's like it's just so invisible to like mainstream queer like individuals and like saying things like that, it just like you came on a show called Queer Eye, you gotta come like ready, right? It is what it is.
0: And maybe we're asking too much for a show of a show that's its first season, like the original Queer Eye. Wasn't that much to begin uh, uh, with. Uh, uh, uh. So, maybe we're asking a lot for the reboot, but I think we have the right to ask for these things. Right. But on that note, Prakash, I know you had one more thing on your mind about a YouTube has been. Yes. You call her?
2: Yeah, I wanted to sound off a little bit. And, like, in a lot of ways, I feel like. These two things are connected. So, I wanted to sound off on Lily Singh, who, if you don't know, her YouTube name is Superwoman. She's kind of built this like YouTube following and like a really strong global following around like herself as like, a personality who basically riffs on her Indian parents and like basically makes a lot of jokes about like first gen South Asians like dealing with like overbearing or overprotective parents and like just generally has, like, that as her shtick,
0: yeah. right? I remember watching her, like, like in high school and middle school yeah. with other South Asian friends, and they'd be, like this is what i go home to yeah, this is yeah. why i'm not coming to the movies
3: no exactly
2: <laughs> but like and i think that's the thing about Lily singh is it's like it's the thing that you show to your friend who's not south asian and be like aha uh-huh, look like this is my life like it's so <laughs> hilarious when it's presented this way but maybe we need spaces for that maybe that there's like a demand for that but i f- also feel like in a lot of ways performing your culture in the confines of a caricature that like white people have already set for your culture has always been like a thing that bothers me, right? And right. on top of that, Lily Singh has this, this huge problem where she's basically like one of the leading perpetrators in my mind of like digital blackface where she will come on and like You know, she will don, like, a lot of apparel that's, like, very clearly, like, meant to be, like... She she will literally refer to it as, like, oh, I look so ghetto today, I look so ratchet today, and, like, then she'll, like, go on, like, the cover of Vogue and, like, look like, oh, I'm, like, a daisy woman. Like, you basically put this on when it's convenient for you, and then you take it off, like, when you're in, like, the public limelight. And so she's very recently been given a talk show. And so kind of connecting this, I guess, back to the Queer Eye discussion, I feel like in a lot of ways, Lily Singh, like like Queer Eye has become like the Lily Singh of queerness, you know, where it's just Ooh. like let me riff on like this eatable, consumable caricature that is easy for people who are not in this oppressed group to consume and people in the oppressed group will be like, I'll laugh along with it and like I'll kind of go along with it but like on for the reflection or like but I don't really know why I'm laughing at it, you mm-hmm. know, and like that's, I think A big piece of, like, early YouTube culture, and I think Lily Singh is a huge piece of that. Yeah. it's crazy to me that she's getting her own TV show because she's so emblematic of this piece of culture that we just really don't need more of. Period. Period. And that's that. And I said, I wanted a sound off. Sorry, listeners. (laughs) And that was Prakash's sound off.
0: Coming up next, we are going to invite Sia from the other DP podcast, The Trillist, to come on and talk about when you're kind of in a relationship, but you're not really. It's more of just like a situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And after Sia comes on, we're going to talk with Adiel about interneting while gay and being gay on Twitter. See you then. Whatever. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. So today we have some news from the other side of the pond. We have fellow podcast host Sia here. Sia hosts The Trillist, which you can listen to on every platform you listen to us. So check it out. Welcome, Sia.
3: Hey, how are you guys?
2: You know we're living.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Out here on this rainy day.
2: Yeah, truly. I'm like, where's the spring bring it to me. There are no flowers. I was I'm not getting anything I was promised. And
3: we're here.
0: It is chaotic weather for the first day of airy season, though. Which
3: <laughs> makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and it's Andreas's birthday ooh. Ooh, ooh. Well, maybe it is. <laughs>
2: and Andreas is like, I'm here for the chaos. (laughs) (laughs) It's my season.
3: Is Mercury still in retrograde? No, it's not. Oh, it just ended. Yes.
0: I don't think it is anymore. It's over. So, communicate, please. (laughs) (laughs) So, CO, why don't you just tell our listeners really quick what The Trillist is about and what we're going to be talking about today.
3: Okay. So, The Trillist is kind of, I'm thinking of it as a variety show because last season I had cool trill people. Trill stands for cool. Sorry. TRILL stands for true and real people come on and we talked about different like societal and pen phenomena such as hookup culture and colorism in the black community and athletes at pen so yeah and then this season is all blind dates which is super exciting you know because I love love even though it's kind of failed me in the past I'm still hopeful. Anyways, we love some optimism. Yeah. <laughs> so I match people up, and like forty eight people pulled out a casting call, and I matched. I have fourteen couples. So yeah,
0: that's awesome. And the format of the trellis is kind of cool this season, if I do say so myself. You watching a date from behind the plexiglass screen is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Please tune into the trellis. When does it come out again?
3: Every Saturday.
0: Every yeah. Saturday, y'all subscribe,
3: See like, a comment, on subscribe. Her game. <laughs> Thank you, I try. All right, so today we're going to be talking about not really dating. <laughs> Have you guys seen the memes where it's like when the guy that you're not really dating says something and you're like... <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> the little like Pikachu with the...
3: oh. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're talking about. That like gray area between like, I think you're feeling me and I'm feeling you, but neither of us want to make an explicit move.
0: I think I live in that gray area. <laughs>
3: Thriving in the gray area. Brought to you by Penn. Okay. <laughs> so there's this guy. And he kind of came on the trillis last season. And I asked him last minute to come on. And he was super sweet and gracious. And he came. And over winter break, he added me to his Instagram's close friends list. So for those of you who do not know, it's a list where you can add people. I have like 13 people on mine. And we can post like personal stuff to our close friends story instead of the everyone else story. So he added me to that and I was like, we're not close friends, so what does this mean? So <laughs> on my way back to Penn this semester, he posts a thirst trap and it is so hot and <laughs> my I was my mouth like fell to the ground. I was just like, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> but I couldn't. Blessed say be the fruit! <laughs> Of the Lord. <laughs> so um, I didn't say anything. So, so what do you say to this, you know? um, So I came back to Penn and I told my roommates. And one of them was like, he probably has a bunch of bitches he's interested in on this best friends list. And I was like, touche, but that means he's interested in me. Conceptual. That's
0: extremely conceptual. Not your close friends, but... Anyone I'm interested in. Yes. <laughs> very, very this conceptual. How
3: we're using technology. <laughs> yeah. now. So like, because of that, I add him to my close friends list. Um, and then later on that night because they didn't say anything he posts um, you guys know the polar express movie so the blonde kid who's like super like annoying as fuck he posts a meme from that kid and he captioned it hey you kind of left me on scene so i'm wondering is this like again for me <laughs> like interesting yeah but then um We've gone back and forth and different stuff, and nothing has happened yet. We're on each other's fences now, which is crazy because my finsta is fucking psychotic. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly. my finsta
0: is not the place for a potential love interest. No, no, no. <laughs> absolutely not.
3: Because <laughs> I am a mess, and all my finsta people know that. But anyways, <laughs> he knows that too now. So that's a thing that I've been dealing with, and I don't want to make a move. But then I'm thinking maybe at the end of the semester, I'm just gonna comment like from finsta, like you're. Yeah. You're sexy. And like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Got just yeah. That right hair. Because I normally I normally don't do that.
0: Well, it's so tough to just be so direct like that. Especially yeah. when people are going through all of these lengths to like signal something without actually signaling it you know rather than just maybe sending you this this trap and being like you want to hit this right you know right. instead like, there's this close friends list you he know?
2: decided to play the game like the close friends list that was like he, he started the chess game he moved the pawn forward and you were like well I gotta play
3: yes but now, oh i also posted a thirst trap ah! of my own on this list it wasn't intended okay so i did some intended ones that didn't work out so i never posted them but then one time i was with my friends and like you know and something ended up and it was like hot i was like i'm gonna post this so i post this right he didn't say anything to that but he said something to something else that i posted after so i'm like, Mm-hmm.
0: crafty mm-hmm. Yeah. and you got caught playing checkers and he's playing chess <laughs> <laughs>
3: honestly <Caught>. period <laughs> and he's gonna win and that's my worst fear you know it look stupid but that's the thing
0: I feel like sometimes a lot of us love this game and occasionally I do enjoy playing this game Other times, I just want things to be very efficient. I want there to be some direct communication. And it's very frustrating because you can never tell what's going on. Mm -hmm. It seems like you're kind of enjoying this game, but might get old real quick
3: dead ass and honestly i've just been i've been playing this game but i i still have like my little never put your eggs in one basket ever ever ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever. Mm-hmm. if we're playing
0: chess on this board we got chinese checkers on the next yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm just gonna talk about something from Not gonna talk about a particular person but so yesterday was my last day of being 21 So I decided to copy that meme format of the guy who he has his hands out. And he's like, hold up. Before I blank. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. Before I blank, does anyone want to admit they have a crush on me? So I I posted a picture and I was like, hold up. Before I turn 22, anyone want to admit they got a crush on me? And it was literally as if I waved a call that said any situationship. Please. <laughs> please the situation ship. Please hit the any situationship, past, present, or potentially future, <laughs> please hit these DMs. And, and it happened and it really just put into perspective to me how basically almost everyone who replied non-ironically was someone who I've met kind of like in transition, either being home for a little longer or being like visiting somewhere or just doing something. And It's a little frustrating because these are definitely people that you're like, we could do something or even be something, but we rather play chess.
2: Right. (laughs) It's those transitions. It's like the parts of your life where you're like, I'm going from here to here or like I'm here for a short amount of time or I did this thing and now life keeps moving. Like, and those are the people who I feel like tend to fall by the wayside and you're just like. Welcome to the gray area, period.
3: You know what's so interesting talking about playing chess and whatever? I'm in an interpersonal communications class, hashtag com major. yes. Anyways, <laughs> um, so we like studied this whole like theory, which is like the hard to get phenomenon, where like people, it, like it's a thing. Like if you don't, like if you're just accessible but not really su- accessible enough, like people will be like, oh, I want, like, I'm gonna get you, and I feel like that's even like the thing that guys. Oh, so real. He probably isn't doing it that much, like consciously, but he's doing it. Right. We're like, once we, once I get it, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. So that's like an actual thing.
2: Wait, speaking of, y'all know how the French can be like super direct about some shit, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so. interesting word choice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but. There was this French exchange student who was, like, in town fall of our junior year, and I, like, developed a little bit of a crush on him, and, like, we started spending a lot of time together because we had a lot of mutual interests, and at one point, I was just, like, instead of playing the game, I was just, like, straight up, I was like, yo, like, I got some feelings, and he goes... Like, I did too, but I don't now because I like it when men I'm into play hard to get.
0: I just love how that one sentence, yeah, (laughs) all feelings out the window. Yeah, it was just like... (laughs) Okay, well, on that note, Sia, it was so great having you on Bottoms on Top today.
3: Thank you guys. This is awesome. I got the message and I was like, of course. So yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. You guys are dope. And, and
2: be sure to check out Sia's podcast. The Trillis is really doing some shit.
3: Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have Bye. a good
2: Bye. Bye. Hello, 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 listeners. Welcome back. We're here with Adiel, and we're going to be talking a little bit about something we like to call affectionately the dark web gay Twitter the gay internet, and what queer internet use even means. Andreas, take it away.
0: First of all, Adio, welcome. Hi, sisters. Hi, sisters.
1: (laughs) I literally feel like Azalea Banks on, like, Breakfast Club power. (laughs) So, what now? (laughs) A very queer, queer reference.
0: My first question for you, something a little fun, and probably just to break the ice, Let's rank websites, social media sites, fan boards in terms of queerest to heady. <laughs> <laughs> so are we doing
1: social medias only?
0: Let's do social medias, but you can throw in like if you have some blogs
1: or specific accounts. Mm. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to go one Twitter, period. 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 Gay no Twitter, one is surprised. Unparalleled. Is anyone surprised? Um. Next, I would say the Lil Michaela Instagram account. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Lil Michaela, queer icon, is an Instagram account who is like. F- no one knows. No one knows. Go look it up. It's L I L M I Q U E L A. She's basically just this like really trendy Instagrammer, but the gag is she's like. Virtual, in that no one knows whether it's like photos of a human being that are being like digitally altered or like just put there by God knows who, <laughs> and no one knows if it's like a corporation, an individual, an art project. But we stand.
0: The bio for Lil Michaela is 19, LA robot, cherry,
2: Black Lives Matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if that's not Lana Del Rey, I don't know what is. I'm like, this
2: is definitely a Wendy's marketing stunt. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we have gay Twitter, and Michaela. Then, then we have Wendy's. <laughs> Wendy's. <for> <laughs> <laughs> no, s- Those top facts are
2: quintessentially queer.
1: I'm gonna replace that one, actually. I think that the Denny's Twitter account. The Denny's <laughs> Twitter account is so queer. The Denny's Twitter
0: account makes me want to like fight my own fight myself and rob my own house. Like <laughs> <house. laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would say if you're trying to get, like, into the serious shit, you got some Medium articles out there that can get you going. I know that, like, everyone's into, like, the Into articles, Mm. but those get a little hectic, let's admit. They
0: do. They're also getting shut down, last I heard.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah, I think I've heard this.
1: I'm too preoccupied with my feelings over the Uniday's rewards being shut down. (laughs) Girl, we got to secure that $5 megabus. (laughs) An attack on
0: gays everywhere. Attack on gays who travel. Gays Ah. who travel. Gays who travel. All our num tots. (laughs) (laughs) And let's put one. And then let's just jump to the bottom of the list. What is the most heterosexual social media?
1: (gasps) Oh, I've got to think. The most heterosexual.
2: I feel like.
1: Who is the yodeling, the Walmart yodeling kid? (laughs) Just him. (laughs) The Walmart yodeling kid. The Walmart yodeling kid.
0: Is the most heterosexual media ever. Ever. Him? We don't
1: know. We don't care. Wait, but there is the clip of him being like, (laughs) dang. Just a little gay. (laughs)
0: Let's get a little bit more meta. So what does it mean for something to be gay online? What does it mean for Twitter to be gay or gay Instagram?
1: I would definitely say that queer spaces are crafted. And I also feel like it's like queer spaces, gay spaces, like whatever you want to call them. It's up to your own choosing. But the idea is that like people congregate, like we're congregating online. That's what makes it so gay. And people really do love to spread, I would say, comedy and like it becomes more mainstream. But we got to recognize where it started. Like weird flex but okay that Mm. shit was stan twitter before it was local twitter yeah that's it and for those of you who want that defined i'm sorry we can't do it
2: (laughs) and that was queer content and that was queer
1: content and that was it
0: if you don't get it you're local (laughs)
2: period i love that definition because i feel like it like gives me a way to talk about Figures like Rebecca Moore, who just like mm-hmm. became a piece of the queer culture sphere online because we congregated, you know? Period.
0: You mentioned that the reason why certain social medias may become kind of queer is because there's like a rallying with some type of person or thing or music. What are some other very, very queer internet phenomena? We talked about Rebecca Moore and the Cock Destroyers. I know there's more.
1: So queer phenomena, I'm, so there's a lot to do with like sexuality and exploring that. And I think that the epitome of that is thought pictures Mm. and thirst traps. And I think that thirst traps have social capital in online queer culture. Of course, I'm not being serious about any of this, but it's valid. (laughs) It's true. We all acknowledge it. And the thirst trap is very powerful because people use it to, discuss people use it to start anger start you know conflict God. I mean not everyone wa- some people get pissed off at the idea that someone can even post a thirst trap mm-hmm. when like girl you're not gonna see this hairy ass ches yeah. um, that <laughs> to post even oh girl but not the- even on my close friends list yeah. <laughs> Whereas you see, like, these Antony-looking people posting on the wall of the church, you know, (laughs) posting their spring break Cancun photos. Out
2: on Main with that.
1: Speaking of cancel culture. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's jump
2: into cancel culture. (laughs) Question number one. Are we canceled?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Weigh-in listeners, email podcast at the (laughs) DP.com.
1: Cancel culture. Okay, I've composed my thoughts on this. I believe that it was Bob, the drag queen, who said in regards to RuPaul's transphobic scandal, people will burn down the village to get to the individual. And I believe that that is a very pertinent quote that empowers us to talk about cancel culture. Because for those of you who don't know, when there's a scandal that happens on any social media platform, it results in cancellation where people will have these like public figures or these like private accounts where they'll just be like collectively agreeing on canceling them because it's too much to deal with their problematic statements or whatever. I feel like when you're talking about like that sort of thing with RuPaul, you have an example of an individual who made a statement that people really don't agree with. And that really gets at some of the transphobia that is like prevalent in our society today, still, unfortunately. But some people can choose that to uh, as a moment to call someone out or they can choose that as and see it as a moment to let someone in and to have a conversation about, like, what is really going on and what forces are really at play here. And that can be, like, a moment to, like, educate or to talk across the aisle if that's even a real thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But, like, with RuPaul, it's like that's someone who's coming from another generation. Like, that was not his upbringing. That was not his, like – You know, understanding. And so that could have been a real moment to talk about it, but everyone instead chose to cancel RuPaul. And it's like, also, I think like this is how I personally live my life. Like, I don't feel like this is how everyone should live their life, but like, choose your battles. Like, I'm a queer person of color, self identified. And so, like, I feel like I have a certain amount of emotional energy that I can dedicate towards, like, you know, these daily battles. And so, if I'm gonna, like, get mad every time that someone says something dumb or that I feel like is, I could pick issues with it's just going to drain me and I Mm -hmm. don't need to do it. So cancel culture is like really, really just like the epitome of all of those forces coming to play. And I personally think that it can be troublesome and emotionally take a load on people. But some people think that, you know, it's important for various reasons.
2: So we hit on cancel culture. There are other ways in which gay Twitter and probably Twitter more generally can get kind of ugly Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, like, are some of the things that drive, like, ugliness online? Like, how do we, like, in our queer spaces, like, go about dealing with that? Is cancel culture our answer to <laughs> ugliness online? Or is that perpetuating it? Like, what do you think? Mm, that's a
1: good question. I remember, like, me growing up pre coming out really where I'd be taking out all my content online was YouTube and so like there mm-hmm. a lot of ugliness was driven by anonymity mm-hmm. right like you have these comments that like just come in mass numbers and like YouTubers will love to just like call it out and like to post like videos with like all the screenshots of all the comments with like usernames that don't make sense so yeah. like obviously it's like anonymity is people's friend and like they think that that like justifies them being ugly to each other Um, which, you know, take it as you will. But I think that, like, with more uh, updated social media platforms, like, let's get specific to Twitter because that's my home base, that's, like, you're not as anonymous with what you're saying. People can click on your profile. You've probably uploaded photos. Like, maybe you have, like, an anime uh, profile picture. But besides that, like, really, people can identify you. Right. So it's not so much the anonymity anymore. Ugliness can just be... Uh, not supporting each other and not, like, raising each other up, but rather, like, knocking each other down. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, like, personally dumb to um, just go online and call someone, like, perverted or, like, to say, like, oh, like, how dare you yeah. um, post these videos online because it gives us the rest of us a bad rep. Like, no, you're giving the rest of us a bad rep, sweetie. Yeah. That's I, what I have to say on that.
2: Yeah, I feel like the virtue signaling thing is, like, a big, like, persistent thing that I see across, like, different types of tweets and, like, different, mm. like, Instagram posts. Like, a lot of times, like, the response is a lot of, like, this person wants to take up some space of their own and, like, signal that they believe in, like, something greater or believe in something that makes them, like, somehow better than, like, whatever this post is. And I feel like a lot of that, like, the way it's framed could be, like, much more of a conversation, but mm-hmm. it tends to be just, like, I'm going to take up space, I'm going to make this comment, and... You're gonna just have to like, either ignore me or like confront me about it. Like act a fool, girl.
1: Yeah, act, act a, a fool. fool. Act a whole fool. <laughs> well, just as I thought, trash. <laughs> uh.
0: I think that in some ways, obviously having such a queer presence online can be great for people. I guess who are trying to come out. But I think that sometimes gay Twitter can be a little niche, and if you're not getting the humor, if you're not um getting the references if you're not watching the same shows, sometimes it can be alienating. Um, have you had a, ever had any experiences where you felt either extremely welcomed online or a little bit turned off by what was happening?
1: Mm, that's a good question. So I feel like I'll, first, I'll start with the good. There's definitely been times where I felt like I was in the in crowd, which is like, you know, kind of like ashamed to have to say that. But mm-hmm. like I was one of three out people in my high school. So it's like, hard to navigate that those kinds of spaces when you're younger but like online when i'm in on the joke when i like understand what the meme is and i can use it in my daily life like it helps me connect with people that i like otherwise would not have a connection with in the Mm -hmm. real world like i remember i was at um my friend caroline who was on the um the episode of bottoms on top that was country gays make do Yes. yes we stand We were at this like event for her sorority together, and this guy walked up to me and he was like, Oh my god, are you Audiel? And I was like, Yes. And he was like, I'm Shane. And so he was this like Twitter gay who had like so many, he goes to Penn State, and we had like a ton of connections, like Mm -hmm. even people from high school, which is crazy and immediately when we connected or when we met each other we just connected through like twitter memes and like gay culture references and so that stuff like although people might not understand it at first it's like it just gives us something to connect over even when you're coming from like across the state and now we're friends and like now we talk which is like incredible yeah but i do feel like there's also a lot of examples of like things that just don't make sense like I'm baby. For the listeners, I'm going to make this a moment of inclusion and a moment of education so that we can have our own community moment. And I'm going to teach you what I'm baby means. (laughs) So there was this, like, newsreel. I don't know what it was. I don't know where it was. But I think someone's, like, house was getting broken into, and she was, like, hiding and texting her mom. And she was like, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And her mom replies, I'm baby. Call (laughs) 911. And it's like, just imagine being in your house scared shitless of an invader and you're texting your mom and she's like, I'm baby. I'm baby. <laughs> I
0: don't know if you heard, but I'm, I'm
1: baby. baby. I'm baby. <laughs> and until that moment, I had only known I'm whole.
2: I'm yeah. just a whole, I'm just, sir. I'm just a whole, <laughs> sir. And now we
1: have the trifecta. I'm just a whole, sir. I'm baby and I'm monkey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that is so true about sometimes these jokes being kind of fringe. I think on the other end too like so you said that you had met Shane. Mm -hmm. You met Shane. So you had just said that you met Shane in real life first and then like started bonding again through Twitter but sometimes it happens the other way around where there's like the concept of having like a Twitter mutual where it's like we followed each other for so long and finally we meet in person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's really comforting to know that someone has like the same sense of humor, same interest in pop culture. Really nice. But sometimes the joke just gets, goes over your head. It's hard to truly get there. But when it clicks, it really does click. Honestly. On that note, thank you so, so much for coming in, Adiel, and just talking about this faggotry with us.
1: Yes. Yes. I feel truly learned. Well, get learned, get turned.
0: And before you go, where can our listeners follow you on Twitter? Or is that is that under wraps? They have to find
1: you. So my Twitter is at it's Daddy L, I T S. D-A-D-D-I-E-L with underscore B-I-C-T-H. I'm kidding. (laughs) It's just it's daddy (laughs) L.
0: And that's that on that. Signing off. Bye. Bye. Toodaloo. Thank you for listening to Bottoms on Top with myself, Andreas Pablo, And me, Pabash Mishra. We'd like to thank our podcast producer, Sam Mitchell.
2: And our editor and creative Whatever consultant, Sammy Gordon.
0: The Wexler Studio in the Kelly and Writers House. Julia Score for creating our cover art. And Andrew Ellis, who made our theme song. You can find him on SoundCloud as Dummy Fresh.
2: Whatever Love y'all. See you next time.